You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to the Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have an amazing guest here today. Her name is Jessica Aries. Jessica is not only a fellow marketer, she is also a lawyer, and she earned her degree in master's law, which is like, I've never heard of that before I started reading about you. And I don't think many people know what it is, so I'm going to explain it as best as I can, and you correct me if I'm wrong. It's kind of like you go to medical school, and then you do re- your residence, and then you're like, you know, I just haven't had enough school, so I'm going to do a fellowship, and I'm going like, to Really, 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 really educated. Yeah, it, that's basically, I, I had a very particular interest in a very narrow emerging area of the law. And there really wasn't a lot of practice information or even law established yet, which is IT and privacy law back in 2011, 2012. And I really wanted to learn it deeply from people who were actually practicing it. And my like law school just happened to have a program. Actually, I selected my law school based on that program. So I knew very intentionally that I wanted to study this area. I've always been a digital techie person. And I've always been interested in how the law and digital and tech kind of merge. And so when I was studying, I decided I wanted to learn an area where there was an overlap. And that was IT and privacy law. So now there are more programs throughout the country where there are LLM programs, but at the time when I was studying, it was one of two programs and I graduated at the time, one in 12 people with that like degree. So it was a big deal at the time when I graduated and I was heavily recruited into different types of law. You know, the FBI was like talking to me, all kinds of people because of the digital privacy issues that were affecting consumers, affecting, this was pre, you know, Facebook ads and, you know, all the mm-hmm. crazy Facebook Uh, manipulation of the election and stuff so this was when lawmakers were just starting to get really interested in like what's going on with our private data so it was a really interesting program to be a part of because i learned a ton but i didn't actually love the practice of it day to day it's a lot of document review and i'm a very gregarious out there fun personality and it was really hard for me to sit and review a lot of really heavy documentation heavy kind of verbiage on a daily basis. It was just not good for my soul. <laughs> so I transitioned into a role in legal marketing, which I kept being like drawn to, drawn to very early in my career. I was, um, so yeah, that's basically how I got into legal marketing in the first place and how I ended up where I am. But yes, I'm a lawyer who transitioned out of practicing law to do legal marketing. Yeah. And another thing that they should add, I never interviewed other marketers on our podcast and I had so many guests by now. What the reasons why I invited you, number one, because of your background, number two, because your marketing company appears to be heavily focused on social media marketing for lawyers, which a disclaimer, I like to boo-boo on social media marketing for lawyers for a reason that from what I've seen, many lawyers who have attempted to do social media marketing have failed, failed considerably. Your website lists a number of services like LinkedIn marketing, TikTok Correct. marketing. Correct. And I listened to a podcast recording where you were featured as a guest five, six months ago. We're recording this in January of 2023. Look it up. 
And you talk about one of the reasons why social media marketing fails so consistently is because there's no solid plan and there are no objectives to work toward. But when I listen to that, I'm like, I kind of get thrown our podcast because we think so alike. And I do know that some attorneys make it really big on social media, whereas majority fails. And this is when I looked at it and I'm like, we might be more of competitors rather than competitors because if you do this so well, I would be so happy to introduce our class. And our area of expertise is all things search marketing, meaning we'll call yeah. it Google, right? We'll not, we know inside out. We do not know social media. So let's talk about this. What are the typical objectives and what are the plans that you develop for your law firm market, your law firm clients? Yeah, um, you're actually making a really good point. We don't do any search marketing. Actually, I turn away clients every month who come to me asking for search marketing. And I'm like, we are social media marketing agency predominantly with some email marketing campaign work. And the thing that I find most common when people come to me with social media marketing is they're posting for the sake of posting. They're posting because their competitors are there, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, my, you know, I'm a divorce attorney and my competitors on Facebook. So I guess I should be on Facebook, but they have no real strategy behind how they are going to introduce their brand to market, what the value proposition is of marketing on social media, how they're going to create a community, a conversation, build an audience. They're just blindly promoting, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's like they have a megaphone and they're yelling out into a crowd of people, hey, here I am, look at me, do you need help? <laughs> that's, a, that's not the way to approach social media marketing in my opinion. Social media marketing should be the introduction to actually cultivating a relationship with folks, to have real conversations and deepen the relationship in a funnel-based kind of marketing approach. So many people I'm sure who listen to this podcast have heard of a funnel, but I think most people, when they apply it to a funnel, they're thinking much more of, okay, I want to grow my law firm, so I need to get them to a landing page, right, to make a decision. And then in that landing page, they're going to download a lead magnet or something like that, some sort of opt-in that's going to give me their email address. And then I'm going to market to them with email marketing campaigns or promotions or things like that. We like to talk a lot more to our clients about building the relationships on the social media platforms, in particular on LinkedIn, building out content that resonates with your referral sources, resonates with your ideal client, and create content specific to the social network. So you shouldn't be on LinkedIn necessarily posting all your TikTok videos, and you shouldn't be on TikTok putting out a bunch of carousel posts or a bunch of long form written content on TikTok, right? That's not going to perform well. So I think it's knowing the platform you're on, knowing who your audience is and how to start a conversation with them that builds a relationship. And I think I want to add to this that I think most people who are listening to you right now might already be lost a little bit. Here's <laughs> okay, why. Right? So so from from my understanding, from thousands of conversations that I've had with attorneys just over the last few years. Most people, when they think about any type of advertising, including social advertising, there is no funnel. Funnel is a really foreign word. It's like if I'm running an ad, I am expecting that whoever sees the ad is going to take action. So there's a very prominent attorney, a law firm here in downtown Chicago, I'm in Chicago. They just do family law. Great guy. He and I spoke a few times. He hasn't pulled the trigger intended to hire us for search marketing yet. He's like, I'm going to invest money into social and I've seen his content. It's one video. It's a lot of chest beating, like how good we are at family law, 
primarily divorces. That's what they do. The call to action after like, we're so good at this. It's pick up the freaking phone and call my law firm and schedule a meeting. There's a lot of money being spent on running those ads. My assumption is very significant. He and I spoke about four, six months after that ad was deployed. And he said, I'm going to give them four to six more months. And I'm like, like the results are, he is like, not great, but I believe in this because he heard so much about social media marketing. So he's like, I believe in this. So I will continue until I'm proven right or wrong. And I think he will prove himself wrong with this approach. So when I listened to that podcast from a few months ago that you were featured at, and you talked about like setting the right objectives, right? Having the right plan in place. And now you're mentioning a funnel, which you definitely need to expand on because I think like 99% of people who are listening or watching this, right? They do not know what you're talking about. And the complexity of what you might be talking about may scare them away because like when it comes to search marketing, it's done for you. A lot of this, like you have to participate in and understand that this is a marathon. It's not like you're producing an ad with Chris or whoever you hired to do a video. You're posting on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and wherever else, and the gates will open up and there will be a class. So let's simplify it because that's my favorite thing to do in marketing. So I like to tell attorneys, those who come to me who are like, well, I, I just need, I just need to be found, right? I'm like, exactly. Because you need to be remembered when and if your client is ready to reach out to you. And the way you're remembered is by showing up, showing up online, showing up in their email inbox, showing up in search, showing up where they utilize their platforms. And so I like to remind attorneys, especially those who are spending lots of money on marketing campaigns and not seeing results and really frustrated, that the game of marketing is actually about touch points. It's about how many times you're interacting with your prospects, because it's very rare for someone to shop for a lawyer the way they would shop for shoes, okay? Most people, when they are shopping for a lawyer, they're being very intentional, they're going through something very emotional, or they're having a big business issue, right, that they're trying to solve. And they're coming to their lawyer because they're about to spend a lot of money. And they want to make sure they're making the best decision for themselves and their future. And so in order to actually get them to a place where they're ready to say yes, where they're ready to actually pull the trigger and pick up the phone and call you, there has to be some relationship building in my experience. And that means objectives around things like how do we make people aware that we even exist in the first place? So whether it be the old school way of putting out a bunch of billboards or the more new school way of putting out some Facebook ads or some Google search ads or those types of ads, it's how do we make people aware that we exist? And then once they're aware we exist, how do we explain to them what we actually do? So that they can make the assessment of, oh, this person is a divorce attorney. I probably shouldn't call them for a will or an estate planning document, right? Helping your prospects and the clients who see you first understand and connect, okay, this is what that lawyer does. And they aren't necessarily the right lawyer for me to do, you know, my will or estate if they're a divorce attorney. Similarly, from that moment, a divorce happens once, typically, you know, most people, they're <laughs> Well, most people, when they're in the moment to, to purchase a divorce or looking for divorce services, it's happening once, right? 
they're collecting the names, they're putting people in the back of their head thinking about, okay, who am I going to collect attorneys wise who I could potentially reach out to for a consult? And then what you want to be as the attorney is the one whose name pops up into their head first to reach and call, call basically. And so my argument to them is always, you, it's all about timing. You have to be remembered in that moment. You have to be top of mind in that moment. And that's where these touch points on social media can really help you. That's where these touch points with email marketing, these touch points with different advertising can be really helpful in staying top of mind with your prospects. And mm -hmm. that is essentially what a funnel does. And I'm sorry for using kind of advanced language in this, but that's essentially what a funnel does. It's built to allow you to have multiple touch points with prospects who are potentially going to hire you so that they remember who you are when it comes time for them to make a decision to hire for legal services. So I always refer to a study produced by Clio. Everybody loves those studies. They're very thorough, very large sample sizes. A few years ago, their study indicated that the vast majority of people, while looking for an attorney, are going to go through internet, more specifically search, and they will be finding an attorney or touch having touch points with attorneys through search. This could be ads, it could be local map pack, it could be organic search results, often it's directories. But the truth of the matter is, is that when people come to your website the first or second, third time, there's only a handful of them for going to paper, typically three to five percent. Very typical. Let's say average is four percent. The other ninety-six percent, they're walking away for whatever reason. Hiring an attorney, and I've hired a few over my decades of running a business, having had a divorce, and a number of other things. Never criminal defense attorney. Um, so, hired many. Here's how a modern consumer of legal services, and this could be a business consumer, become a business owner, or it could be a consumer consumer, maybe looking for an estate planning attorney or family law attorney or criminal defense attorney, God forbid, whatever it may be. There's not one single touch point. We may have found you on Google or in the directory, or your ad might have come up in social, Facebook or TikTok or somewhere else. The strategy of showing up wherever your prospective client may be looking is called an omnipresence strategy. Mm -hmm. The more omnipresence you create within your market, most of our clients, I'm sure your clients are not Morgan and Morgan. They're not present in 47 states, right? They're usually limited to like one geography, be it Chicago where I am, or Miami or Denver or wherever they may be. It's usually like one location. It could be that they have a couple other locations, but more often than not, it's one location. It could be a few offices, but they're still within a fairly narrow radius, right? You want everybody in the right demographic. When they express interest in any way, be it on social, search, or anywhere else, to have a touch point with your brand with your ads, with your content. And my assumption is that today, a lot of people are going to be interacting with you through search, through directories, through social, right? Before they're making a decision to raise their hand and say, I am interested in how you can help me. And that's what Jessica, basically you're talking about, right? Correct. Correct. And, and those touch points take time. So the, the the attorney you mentioned who was investing all this money in the search marketing and was just going, turn it off in four months, 
you may be turning off your pipeline that's not going to convert for another 18 months. And that's what's really hard about marketing sometimes when talking to attorneys. It's a long game strategy in many instances because you're building a relationship and a relationship sometimes can take time. People may be starting to do the research of divorce attorney but aren't yet ready to get divorced, right? It may take them another year before they get the gumption, the courage to write, say, okay, I'm done with this. I'm ready for my new life, right? I'm ready to start over. And so I think it's really important to remember when you're starting your marketing that it's not a turn on turn off thing <laughs> especially when it comes to you know ads the search marketing you're doing i'm sure i'm not sure if you're doing seo but i know seo in and of itself yeah, is a huge true. long game mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so social media is meant to supplement in many ways those strategies i like to say it's it's about building relationships with people who could potentially become your clients slash your referral mm -hmm. sources and remembering that it's about creating community conversation and honestly making you seem less intimidating because something that I realize as an attorney, as a lawyer, is that we sometimes come into a room with a, a prospect and I've done this myself and over explain or fill their head with all the reasons the law exists and this and that. And they just want to know, like, can I get divorced? <laughs> right? Like we're answering way more complicated. I worked in immigration law firm for a really long time. And I remember I sat in on a consult and the attorney was literally speaking in acronyms like that. I had never, you know, all these different acronyms and I could just see the client just like scooching down in their chair. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I think it's so important to remember that starting the conversation on social media, having really easy to understand digestible information. I like to use video predominantly to explain complex topics to people who are just getting started. That starts to build the rapport and helps people who are coming potentially into your office in the future feel comfortable with how you communicate information, feel like they've built a relationship with you a little bit before they come in. And it makes it so much easier when they do actually sit across from the table from you and are ready to sign that agreement. Because they've already got some of the basics. They've heard you say some of those acronyms before and they're more comfortable having those conversations. I agree with you more. So let's move from conceptual to more practical. So what you talked about, what I talked about was like very conceptual. Let's think about this practically. There is a difference between a length of a buying cycle and a sales cycle. And most people don't think about it. So a buying cycle, and let's keep on focusing on family law divorces okay Length of the buying cycles and that's buying cycle starts when somebody first thinks about like i can't do this anymore i want to get out of this marriage to the point where they actually pick up the phone and schedule in meeting with an attorney that length of a buying cycle can be years mm -hmm. correct it, it is but unlikely right there's an event usually that triggers that decision within dates but most of the time, it's a long period of time. A reasonable consumer of legal services will move from, I am aware that I have a problem to, I know how to solve it, but I don't know who's going to help me solve it, to, I am looking for potential providers, service providers, aka family law attorneys, who are going to help me solve it. And I will typically have conversation with three of those attorneys. So as a person moves through the stages of that buying process, the buying cycle, they are beginning to look for answers to their questions. 
They may be looking for answers to those questions on Google, highly likely, on YouTube, incredibly likely. For Generation Z, it would be TikTok because they're using it as a search engine. Generation Z today, oldest is probably 25, 26, if I'm not mistaken. So it's still like 10 to skew, like a lot younger. But guess what? If you plan to practice law 10 years from now, that will be your like one of the primary demographics. So you have to think ahead of that, right? So as they're moving through the buying cycle, at some point they will enter the sales cycle. The sales cycle begins when they're ready to have a conversation that start reaching out to people. Your goal is to make sure that wherever they may fall in that process, that they come across you, your ads, your content, wherever they may look. And the way that I imagine it, because I am a search marketer through and through, I think that somebody is looking for information either on Google or YouTube. They end up consuming information on your website because your team has done a great job with SEO, be it on YouTube or, or Google. They come to your website. And after they come to your website, when they go to their Facebook or to Instagram or TikTok or wherever else, this is where social media marketing kicks in because now social media marketing team starts retargeting as an, oh, you visited that website or you watched that video. Now I'm going to show you content from that law firm. This is where you start engaging with them and they see relevant content on social and they click like, and they start following. And that's when you're building that expanding on the brand awareness that you just started building early on. Is my thinking correct about this or am I missing like big chunks there? Yes, but I think too, an area where social media happens or starts a trigger that starts where social media becomes engaged in this buying, buying cycle also is I'm someone who's about to go through a divorce, let's say. I confess to my best friend, uh, my marriage isn't working out. I'm going to go through a divorce. She's on TikTok. She's on YouTube looking to give good advice to me, my her friend, right? And she finds a lawyer giving really great advice in my local area doing these things and sends that to me. And now I'm bought in. I had a trusted source send me a link to a TikTok video, a YouTube, something like that, and start getting familiar with the concepts, the things I need to know on, about getting divorced in the first place. And so we see it both ways. We see, yes, they've come from a search marketer, but we've also seen this kind of discovery phase happening amongst peers, where the peers who are in your group are trying to help and they find resources and reshare them, tag people that need that resource, that legal resource, and then become consumers of that information. So that's the power of social that Search doesn't necessarily lend itself to the power of that friend referral, which has a lot of power at the end of the day and making someone feel like a trusted source. My friend watched all your videos, told me I need to talk to you, right? And then I watched all your videos too and I realized I needed to talk to you, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Those are, those are, that's another way that social gets started a lot of the times uh, for us, a trigger point that will trigger social when we're mapping out and looking at how is this attorney being discovered on social media? An example that's from a completely different industry. So my wife and I are considering moving out of Chicago because it really sucks in a couple of years once my oldest is 18. But we're thinking about moving to Charlotte. So we've been watching a lot of videos on our TV through YouTube of this realtor from Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And she has no idea who we are, but we know who she is. Exactly. That's great. Like she's been our guide for Charlotte 
and Lake Norman, which the area that we really like just north of Lake Charlotte, uh, like just north of Charlotte, that she's been our guide for the last few weeks without knowing. Absolutely. That is the power of social that I think is also overlooked many times. You get to establish that credibility and authority with your audience before they've even picked up the phone. Whereas most of the time you're trying to earn that credibility and authority through your receptionist or through whoever's answering the phone being like, we're, we're this, we're that, we're great. You know, we win all of our yeah. cases, whatever, right? Whereas yeah. when you've put out content on social media, if you've built a strategy around that, if you're purposeful in what you're putting out there, you are creating that instant credibility and authority that just, it's, it's so hard to buy once the conversation has started. You have to do it in person and in a different way. So the package, right? Whenever somebody is looking for answers to their questions or a service provider, you better have a team that set you up for success that your content, whether it's your website, it's your Facebook page, it's your TikTok, it's your Instagram, it's your YouTube channel, that pops up. They start interacting. And before they call your office, they already know that they want you to work for them because they've already pre-built that relationship without you knowing. Correct. That's the most common comment I hear from my clients. It's so mm. bizarre to me that people come into the consultation and already know who I am and know how many kids I have and that I got, went to this law school and that I like, I don't know, M&Ms. Like, you know, like, it, because in those, you know, you'll get on these videos, you'll have these, especially if you're using video marketing, you'll have a conversation with your audience. You might comment, respond, right? You will mention things happening in your life as stories to help connect with your audience. And those stories then get reflected back to you in the consultation. And you know, as soon as someone mentions one of those things, you've already sold them. You already know that contract's getting closed. <laughs> so. so so now let's continue with the storyline. Now I am your prospective client. I am a, I'm a lawyer who specialized in family planning, family law rather, right? Divorces. I come to you and I'm like, Jessica, I've been thinking about doing this. So how am I And I'm in Chicago, big mark, a lot of divorces, a lot of prenups. Your work is cut out for you. Plenty of competition, big competitive market. Jessica, I got other things covered. I got the website. I got my search covered. I want to get more cases. I've been hearing a lot of good things about social. I've been hearing some bad things about social. How much should I invest into this over the next 12 months? What can I expect in terms of outcomes? And what's the plan for the next 12 months? Yeah, so most of the attorneys who are coming to me right now about social, I'm telling them how video marketing is really taking over. And that if you want to see real progress in your marketing on social, that video has to be a component of that. And that looks like short form video, the short form vertical video, like TikTok, Instagram Reels. They're now even showing up on LinkedIn and Facebook has their own version of it called Facebook Reels. So I'm telling them social strategy where you used to post a pretty picture of like your firm office and like put a title on it and say, call us. That's no longer effective social. In fact, engagement is really the numbers that we look at are engagement. And engagement for us is a click, a like, a comment, someone, you know, wanting to look at that, at, at that uh, social media post for longer than five seconds, right? Probably longer than one second. They're not just going to scroll past it. We're finding that they just aren't capturing attention anymore. And so video really has to be a component of your social media marketing strategy moving forward. 
And if you're working with, you know, a marketer who's saying, no, you can still do the stagnant post. I just, I really disagree because we're seeing that when we, we actually produce and help clients put out video marketing that builds that kind of relationship with their prospects and their clients, they get so much better engagement. They get better watch time. They get more leads and they actually are ahead of the curve a bit because not a lot of lawyers yet have realized that everything's transitioning to video. And those that do, they're reaping all of the leads and all of they're building all the relationships much faster. They're putting in the legwork to build kind of those personas, that brand and build those relationships that allow them to really sweep up all the leads. I mean, I, I have an attorney who started with me two months ago and she landed three huge cases already just from TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I, it's because they're aren't a lot of attorneys who are willing or comfortable yet enough to be on video and comfortable enough to kind of build those relationships. And so I have to just remind people that if you're going to do social media marketing, you have to kind of stay on the trend. You have to be willing to get a little out of your comfort zone and it will feel a little awkward at first, but it'll be worth the investment of time, energy, and learning to kind of just talk on camera because that's where it's all going in my opinion. So one of the targets, I'm again, playing the role of that attorney, what are the goals that we can set for the first year? How much should they be investing and what's the plan? Yeah. So the goals for the first year, I think you really need to set internal benchmarks first, see what you're, so I never like to give a global benchmark because I, I actually work with firms that are multi-global national firms on short form video, like think the big, big mega firms, as well as boutique firms that are fast growing and that are, you know, maybe in a general region, but are trying to own that market. So I like to tell them it really depends on your internal kind of existing metrics and you need to set benchmarks from there. And so far, what we're seeing is we set benchmarks at like 20% growth and we're seeing like 50 to 60 to 70% growth when incorporating video marketing in terms of budgets. So we're very transparent in like our video marketing budget. We're telling most of our clients now you need to at least have a video marketing budget of $3,500 a month to be able to produce enough video content and produce enough social media content that you're getting a regular response rate and you're building those touch points with your prospects and clients. $500 spent on running those ads, video ads, or $3,500 to produce those videos? $3,500 to produce and publish them. We have an additional fee we add on for if we're promoting a particular video. I like to say don't add ads until you first understand what works in your organic strategy. Because truly the idea behind adding money behind like Facebook ads or TikTok ads or something like that is you want to scale what's already working. You don't want to necessarily just layer on money onto something that you don't even know isn't working yet. So Mm. I like to test for at least, you know, two to three months, an organic strategy, figure out what's working there. And quite honestly, what we've seen so far is if you have a consistent organic strategy, you don't necessarily need a paid ad uh, strategy unless you really want to you know, grow it, mega grow it, you know, like you want to 10x it, which does happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing though, is the amount of volume of work that's coming in just from the regular video marketing work that our, our lawyers are doing is, is they're happy with the, with that rate, more than happy with that, that cost because the ROI is so high right now. So would it be fair to say, I'm again, just playing out the scenario because mm-hmm. most, most law firm owners are operating small law firms. Mm-hmm. Again, like two thirds of all lawyers work in law firms with 10 lawyers or fewer, right? Mm-hmm. Fairly limited budgets, but quite a few are very ambitious. So let's imagine that 
family law firm, six lawyers, mm-hmm. $2.4 million in annual revenue. I'm the owner and I'm thinking about how to get it to 3 million, another 20 something percent bump in revenue. And they come to you and I think what you told me, I'm just trying to like press this. Yeah. I'm going to invest about $3,500 a month for the first three months, which is like 10, five or just three months, right? Into content production, posting it organically and seeing what clicks before formulating the plan for the next six, nine, 12 months, whatever it may be, because as we know in marketing, most things are subject to a test before you know what works and what doesn't. Correct. It's a test, test, fail uh, strategy. So in marketing, it's it, so this is hard for lawyers. Failure is part of marketing. <laughs> you will fail at different strategies and that's okay. So it's, it's remembering that we're going to put together a plan. We're going to test, test, fail, hopefully quickly. And then from there, be able to build a strategy that really performs. So our, we, we work in 90 day sprints for that exact reason. So I say sprints, they're not sprints, they're like 90 day plans for that exact reason. So we'll put together a plan for 90 days, test, 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 fail, 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 test, test, adapt, fail, and then eventually get to a really great framework that's getting you something like 12x ROI, right? And then we scale the heck out of that, right? That's where we're pushing and throwing money behind something like that. So our goal is to find what that special you know, thing is that's going to perform the best and really scale that for you with ads and marketing. And then it, it doesn't matter, to be honest, we haven't had anyone when we've, we've worked with that strategy come back and be like, no, you know, you're too expensive because we're, the ROI on it is just so high. You know what I mean? The investment isn't worth it. That doesn't doesn't happen really <laughs> because it, it is working. It does work. Super interesting. So you've been doing this for years. What do you see as a typical ROI range on the money invested into social media marketing? So when it was more of the stagnant video, it wasn't great. I'll be honest. Uh, so we, we have YouTube. So this is a comp. I'm going to go into a world, a deep dive of some technical terms, but it's to explain how I know the numbers. We use UTM tracking parameters, which are a parameter that goes on the end of a URL that helps us better understand who's clicking through, you know, what are they clicking on, which, which social posts. And from there, we decide what to scale. For lawyers, it was very hard to get good ROI on the stagnant posts the stagnant kind of the picture post, the here's a picture of my office. We get good engagement on things like where we're showing like an office party or like the attorneys together, you know, smiling, but really hard to get good engagement, good click through, good leads from that kind of effort. I'll be frank and very honest. And when we... There is a very simple reason we hide it. Ultimately, nobody cares about your pictures and about your videos. They care about whether you're an expert who can help them that's it. Absolutely. And well, and even when we would put out, you know, sometimes I've seen people, social media strategists put out a ton of like inspirational quotes just to get engaged. Like that's not what your clients necessarily want or need in that moment, right? They want answers to their questions. And so when you start building a content strategy, that's much more answering the questions that people are commonly asking you and doing it with your face on camera, (laughs) you get much better ROI. Just in general. Now, if you don't feel comfortable on camera, you can try the static post approach. I will say it just doesn't perform as well. Like the investment in it, I mean, you pretty much were breaking even. And then the ads, sometimes you would get much better results. Like I'll be, I'll be honest, but in general, I don't even recommend, I don't build plans anymore without video content because I just think you're, it's a waste of 
money and energy on everybody's part. Like, I think that should be a core part of your marketing strategy as you move forward on social media. Believer, I'm going to produce as many videos as you tell me to within year one. Again, family law here in Chicago, small law firm looking to add another 600K. You tell me how much to invest and what should I, without even that, like what should I be expecting within the first year in terms of ROI? Ballpark. Ooh, I mean, minimum, I'd say 3x maximum. I mean, we we have one prospect right now, like they're almost like they're like 10, 10 to 15x, you know what I mean? And then if you scale it with ads, it's even more, you know, because you're pushing it out to your exact target audience. The real, the real thing is that people get intimidated by the idea or we lose traction on the consistency because lawyers, I feel like, especially when they get busy, the fastest thing they want to do is say, oh, I don't have time for marketing because I need to serve my clients, right? And so we lose the traction we've built. And that's been honestly the biggest hiccup when working with lawyers. I love lawyers. I'm a lawyer myself, but we prioritize our client work over all else, which is great, but it's hard because any kind of rapport, any audience you've built, the minute you stop doing it, you lose that credibility, you lose their attention and they start following someone else. So it has to be something you're consistently doing. So it's really about the consistency of the practice of marketing more than anything else. And when we see that, that's when you get those kinds of 12, you know, 15x (laughs) ROI. There's a really important context that I don't think I've ever talked about on this podcast. But it's just super important. If you're a business owner, if you own a law firm, any other business, you are going to serve one of three masters. Master number one that most lawyers serve is the customer. The least profitable master to serve if you own a business. Master number two, a lot more profitable is the prospect. Because you can go one, one of you to many. You cannot go one of you to many, many customers at the same time, but you can be serving a lot of prospects at the same time through marketing to a much more limited extent with sales. And master number three is the company or law firm. Your income and your net worth to a large degree is a function of who you're going to serve. Serve the customer. And there is a very high probability that you will never make a lot of money. Serve the prospect, and you're definitely going to make a lot more money than if you were serving the customer. And serve your business, and for that you have to develop a business acumen, which I find, unfortunately, when it makes sense that most attorneys, very smart people, incredibly educated, very low business acumen, because that's not what they learn in school, right? you get classical training to become a specialist at law. So it makes sense. But if you develop the business acumen and you serve the business, right? Your business becomes your master. You will master the business and you will be your net worth, your personal balance sheet within years will outpace your wildest expectation by a large factor. But for that, you really need to focus on that, right? So what you just said, it's so brilliant, right? So many lawyers would feel outside their comfort zone by spending more time on marketing and less time on prospect on, on serving customers. But working on marketing is a lot more profitable per hour of engagement or per hour of labor than working for the customer. But it's uncomfortable because you're a lawyer. That's what you've been trained to do. So 
my most successful clients are those who've made that mindset shift that you're talking about right there. It's, and it's a really difficult, hard one. I've had to learn it in my own business. <laughs> I say that, you know, as a business owner myself, that you cannot be the doer of the work. You have to be the one who's sitting down being the face. And, you know, I say this all the time to the lawyers I'm working with. If you're practicing law all day, you're doing it wrong. I'm sorry. You know, we're, we're in the business of marketing at this point, And you're in the business of relationship building at this point. Especially if you're a partner in a firm, you're the running the firm, you're the owner of the firm, you are in the business of marketing the firm. And your people should be doing the work, which is hard. It's hard. It's hard to accept because we go to law school for so long and it's such a intense experience. It's kind of, I kind of like joke, it's like a boot camp, right? Like you're in such an intense academic, rigorous experience. And then you sit for this rigorous exam and then you get like the prestige and the accolades of the, you know, the, the degree and the, the bar admission. And then you don't like, you're not supposed to use that. (laughs) Right. When someone tells you that, like someone's like, no, actually don't want you to focus on any of that. I want you to focus on making these TikTok videos or these YouTube or Facebook videos. Like people just look at me like I have three heads, but I'm like, what, what, do you want to run a profitable, scalable law firm that's going to grow and thrive that you're going to be able to make a huge impact on your clients' lives? This is how you do it. By the way, it's not just clients' lives. It's your family. It's your community, right? And when I talk about this with like our clients and prospects, I'm like, look, there were studies that estimated that a very busy attorney is going to like at the top of the food chain is going to make about four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year like super busy like statistically bls put it out 2021 median income 127,990 dollars top 10 percent two hundred nine thousand dollars you're top of the food chain you're crazy busy just by the number of billable hours you go to the bottom of the round 450. if you practice law yes the main thing that you do you switch to become to being a rainmaker. You're probably going to double that, if not more than that. But you're going to spend very little time practicing law. You're going to be going around, having lunches, shaking hands, talking to people, et cetera, et cetera. Very little time spent practicing law. You might make a million bucks. But the truth of the matter is, I've met so many lawyers. A lot of them are incredibly introverted. Well, it would be really hard for a very introverted person. What? You can be a very introverted business owner who is focused on the business, including marketing as the primary function of getting revenue in, right? Grow the business to $5 million in revenue. It's a professional service organization. If you operate it fairly well, at the end of the year, you're going to have 20% not profit left in the business prior to tax. That's a cool million dollars from $5 dollars and $5 million in revenue, right? That's in addition to what you paid yourself for managing the firm. <laughs> Your choice, but if you have that million dollars left pre-tax, let's say our taxes are what they are, you have like $640,000 left after taxes. That's a lot of impact on your family. And should you choose to, your place of worship, your community, whatever charitable organizations, you could do a lot. If you change your mind shift and graduate from being a lawyer to either being a rainmaker, which is not very feasible for most, to being a business owner, which you guys are smart. You want the freaking law schools. They're hard. You can figure out business. If you just apply yourself and marketing, super important. I mean, the number two reason, the number one and number two reason lawyers go to law school is one, to provide for their families and two, to make an impact. 
So I don't know how you make a bigger impact. First of all, the best way to make sure you provide for your family and always have that job security is to build the business that, that you're talking about. But then on top of that, to have a real impact, to have the influence and power to really shape the things that you care about, the, the values you care about with your influence, your power, your, your money, quite frankly, is by building that kind of a business. And it, it takes a huge mindset shift that not all lawyers are ready to make. And you made a point about lawyers being very introverted. That's where I try to remind them that this going on video thing, this thing that I keep telling them that sounds really intimidating, like talking at a camera where you're in front of an audience, I try to remind them to think about you're sitting across the table from your best friend explaining the law to them, who's not a lawyer, <laughs> right? That's how I try to, rem to remind them this is how you have a conversation on video. It's not about projecting. It's not about having the most polished speech. It's about having that conversation with someone who is your best friend, potentially, who's not a lawyer, who doesn't understand the law. And how would you explain it to them? And so that's how I try to remind them. It's, it's stop thinking of it as I'm projecting to a 10,000 people. You may not. Your first, you know, especially your first few videos, you may not get that many views. It might just be your mom. That's okay, right? The idea is to just get comfortable on camera and you maybe will delete those later because you hated them, the first take of them. But that's what I try to remember <laughs> and remind attorneys about. Yeah, we, we ask our clients to produce content too, video content, because we can't produce it for them. You still are the face of your law firm. So the way that we advise them to create that content, number one, never let perfection get in the way of publishing. It's not going to be perfect. You're not a trained actor. You do not need to sound perfect. By the way, if you screw up here and there in the video, as long as the content is factually correct, the people who are watching it will never know. And far, they do not care for you to be like Brad Pitt, right? That's not what they're listening and watching your content for. They just need to get answers to their questions and you want to establish that credibility with them. And the second thing, make an appointment with yourself once a week, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and the strategy for creating content, the content strategy is super simple. They ask you answer. Think about the questions that like your prospects asked you last week, just the down. And instead of talking one-on-one, -on -one, you just like, you don't have to have a professional camera. It's good enough if lighting is good, just sit in front of your phone and be like, so last week, my prospective client, John, called and he asked this and this and this question. So in this short video, I'm going to answer that. Correct. This is content creation. Uh, tool. Couldn't be simpler than that. Not just that. It can be repurposed in so many different ways that is, to me, is the most value around just sitting down and filming it like that. So taking it as a soundbite, making it into an audiogram, pushing it out, you know, um, as a shorter form video, if it's a longer video, right? Repurposing it into a carousel post on LinkedIn. Carousel posts get a lot of engagement on LinkedIn, by the way, guys. <laughs> carousel posts are those posts where there's like a swipe through of different slides. <laughs> is this so let's imagine like consumer focused practicing like uh family law linkedin will that work for me think of it for your referral sources so that's what mm -hmm. i always tell folks you're you're marketing your to your referral sources there and you well, want to show yeah, what would they post on linkedin to connect with my referral sources are you other attorneys family counselors whatever it may be so my favorite thing to say is talk more about the business of law, like your approach to practicing law, why you became a lawyer, why you continue to practice law. Talk about 
share your expertise too. So if you did a really great video, you had a great question that came in for a client and it is something that could be repurposed into something for LinkedIn to establish credibility and show you're ahead of the curve on the law or something like that, that might be worth sharing out. But I find that the content that performs the best, and we do a lot of ghostwriting for lawyers on LinkedIn, the content that performs the best on LinkedIn is that where lawyers are talking about the business principles, the values, the reason they started their firm, and how they implement those, how they communicate differently with their clients. Because when you're referring a high value client to someone, you want to know your client is being taken care of. You want to know you didn't just refer mm -hmm. it to someone who's not going to answer the phone, right? So we try to have those conversations with them about LinkedIn and how we can infuse into that content their approach to providing legal services that's unique and, and different. And that can really showcase that they're not just going to take a referral source and then drop the ball, right? Or make the referral source look bad. Because that's mm -hmm. the number one fear of referring business to lawyers. I'll be honest, because a lot of lawyers don't do a great job of communicating with their clients. Sorry, calling us out mm -hmm. here. <laughs> and listen, to wrap this all up, because we're running against the clock now, here's what I really liked about the things that you said. Number one, Jessica was really transparent and said that everything is subject to a test here. No blanket promises major. Right, you you do social media for three months to see what works and equally importantly, what doesn't work. So you don't have to repeat the same mistakes, right? And it has to be tested and you will have to invest some of Mr. or Mrs. Lawyer, some of your time, energy, and money, help her team produce the content, video content. They'll do all the editing and ghostwriting. They will post it, right? By the way, I'm making no commission explaining all of this from Jessica's firm, right? I'm just explaining how this is supposed to be. They will post it, they will test it, they will get you the results. They will focus on measurable outcomes to prove out what works and what doesn't work. And you will know within give or take 90 days what direction to go into, right? This does take two sides to work on this. You have to be involved. This is not a done for you. You have to be involved. This is a long-term strategy. You do this, you might be a lot richer than you are today, a year or two or three years from now, right? Within this time frame, you will be making more money as you will be getting more cases, which is absolutely terrific. I really enjoyed this conversation. If people who are watching this or listening to this work to connect with you, how do they find you? Yeah, so you can visit me at www.buyaries.com. That's the name of my agency or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn and spend a lot of time there. I'm also active on TikTok. You can follow me there at buyaries marketing so if you want to see what a marketing tiktok could look like i'm there as well as you can email me at jessicaatbyaries.com if you want to get started or have a conversation amazing conversation thank you so much jessica thank you thanks for listening to the grow law firm podcast if you liked the ideas shared in this episode help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode this episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction growlawfirm.com do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.